You're listening to Flipping the Barrel Podcast, a women's perspective in oil and gas. We are your hosts, Macy and Jamie. And our mission here is simple, to bring you the untold stories of this industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast. Today, we're really excited to have one of our first Gen Zs on the podcast. And Masiel and I are millennials, so we're really excited to hear what she has to say. Sarah Alhani is one of the first and youngest female drilling engineers for Halliburton, working for one of the operators in Oman. She's also one of the first ladies that we've talked to that's working currently in the Middle East. Sarah is 23 years old. She graduated university by the end of 2018 in the UK, where she studied for four years, supported by the Omani government through a scholarship for chemical engineering. She then moved back to the Middle East, where she is today to start her career in oil and gas in 2018. She's been working as a drilling fluids engineer for almost two years now, and as the only woman on the rig. Hey, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you on here today. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. How are you guys? Good, good. Well, I feel like we've known each other for a while. I feel like I know you somehow, right? Because like of Instagram and social media, I see you pop up every day and I watch some of your YouTube videos. So I'm so excited to get to know you a little bit more because I know with social media and Instagram and even LinkedIn, it's really hard to get to know someone just by posting pictures. So we're going to take off all those layers and get to the core of who Sarah is. So start by telling us a little bit more of like growing up, what was life like? Yeah, absolutely. I watch you guys as well, obviously, every single day. I know almost everything about you guys now, but I'm so excited to get started. So for me, I grew up in the capital city of Oman. It's called uh, Muscat. And my first language is actually Arabic, but I usually speak more English now because when I was a kid, my parents made sure that we all knew, like me and my family, we all knew English by going to private schools. Because if we went to like public schools, they only teach in Arabic and they teach like scientific subjects in Arabic. But it was obviously better for our futures in terms of going to university to go to a private school. And yeah, so we just wanted to give you guys a little bit of background on how I know English, basically. And another thing, growing up, I was very passionate about sports. Specifically, I was, this might shock you guys, but I was very into WWE. I actually wanted to pursue that as a profession. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. I love the Total Divas. I like yes. the other show. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm a fan. I have to agree. I think they're so awesome. I'm so happy you guys like actually are into this because most Oh my gosh, are- I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good to hear. So yeah, like you guys know obviously us like as women in oil and gas, like we kind of feel like the minority. So it's the same thing with like in wrestling. So my story with that is that I wanted to pursue that professionally, but the problem was is because of our culture here and our country, like this wasn't taken seriously. Like mostly jobs like academic jobs are taken seriously, but things like becoming like a sports person, a football player, it's not paid that well. And I had that example from my dad. Like he was playing for the national football team for the country. And I saw that and I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. I'd love to be doing something like doing what I love every single day. But then seeing that like it kind of didn't work out that well. So he had to go and get his degree at an older age and then joined the oil and gas industry. So just seeing that was kind of an example for me to be a little bit more realistic with what I have right now. So after like convincing myself that, okay, this is not possible. And as I grew up, 
I realized that I didn't like wrestling because of the sport itself. It was more like it was because like training so hard to get into the main roster and like having all these other people that you have to compete with. And then it's not guaranteed that if you like train for like five or six years, you're going to get into the main roster, but you still have to put in that hard, hard work and like be persistent and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that like kind of fascinated me and to feel like someone would have that kind of patience, you must love that kind of like profession that you're doing. So I wanted to have something like that. Mm. So then like after high school, my parents advised me actually to go and study chemical engineering. And because that job was kind of in demand here in the Middle East, I had I didn't know anything called oil and gas, by the way, I didn't know what a rig, rig was like, I'm sure you guys didn't as well, right? No, <laughs> like, an, no, oh, yeah, exactly. I don't think any of us did at that time. But after like four years of university, when I came back home, I got the opportunity for an interview. And because the guys who interviewed me made me feel like welcome and made me feel excited to be a part of that, this kind of industry, that's what really pushed me to be like, okay, no, I definitely need to be a part of this. I'm willing to go through the challenges. And yeah, that was mainly like the biggest thing that motivated me to just put my foot in the door. Can you talk about how you ended up getting the scholarship? Because I thought that was pretty interesting that the Omani government actually, you know, provided you the scholarship to go and study. And where did you study? So I studied in the University of uh, Huddersfield. That's in the UK. And basically you had to get like a certain grade in math, science, all the science subjects that you've taken and a few Arabic subjects but you needed to get a specific percentage. And then if you get a certain percentage, you have the option to choose which country you want to study in, what kind of course do you want to like study at university. You can even choose the university. And then after like they go through your grades, we have two semesters. If you meet the requirements, they provide you with a scholarship, like everything's paid for. They even give you like a kind of like a monthly allowance to pay for your rent and pay for your other expenses as well. What's really interesting about that is what the Omani government does for y'all for academics is really what does for U.S. students in sports. <laughs> you get, really? Yeah, so you get, I mean, they have scholarships, of course, for academics, like hands down, yeah. yes. But they also, I mean, as a sports player, you can then pick whatever university, you get an allowance, like depending on what level, you know, you, you or how good you are, right? So it's just interesting because it doesn't sound like, you know, sports are very supportive where you are, but it is, you know, in the U.S. that is something that... If you want to become a millionaire, go into sports. Yeah. Football players, hockey players, they're like... Yeah, exactly. Complete opposite of Oman. Yeah, (laughs) complete opposite. So tell us a little bit of like, you do the interview, you get hired on by Halliburton, First of all, what did oil and gas feel like to you before you even walked into it? Was it like scary? It's all guys. I don't think I'm going to fit in. Or were you like, oh, I think this is great. I've heard really good things about oil and gas. What was your perception? So before joining the oil and gas industry, obviously there's people who are going to sit down with you and like they told me, they're like, okay, just be prepared that you're going to find a few people who are going to see a girl in the rig and like not, they're not used to like having a girl kind of tell them what to do. And it's mostly guys and all that kind of stuff. So I did have that thought before in my head, like, Oh my God, what do they think of me? Like, am I going to be able to like, like do well in that kind of environment? But then my first time in the, in the office, it's completely 
completely fine because you know like you have HR you have all these kind of different departments that like mostly girls are in so when the first time I went to a rig it was all guys but surprisingly I actually felt very welcomed like I felt very comfortable because the people who were there were excited to kind of have like not a girl but like a new person coming in like that had like energy and excitement to learn and all that kind of stuff like based on my experience I felt like people were taking me under their wing and like they made me realize that the industry is actually very fun and like you can learn a lot of stuff and they're also very supportive so that really helps as well. There's a lot of misconceptions with the Middle East and I know that a lot of people think of the Middle East and they think women are allowed to do anything you know they can't drive vehicles and I know that that depends on kind of where you're at I'm sure there's still areas that are like that but it doesn't really sound like where you are it is that way can you kind of tell us a little bit about what it's like being in the Middle East and you know being a woman working in oil and gas it sounds like there's some more women that are in the office but not in the field did you ever feel like you weren't going to you know be able to to even enter the industry or is it not like that on where you're at being a woman? To be completely honest about a field engineer specifically, I've never heard a girl that I knew or someone that's from here that had been working in the field. Maybe it's because I haven't researched or talked to people like a lot about it. For me, it was enough for like, for example, my management to just tell me, okay, it's fine. This is normal. Just go ahead. And I was just like, you know, whatever, it's going to be fine. But in terms of like, I can only speak for um, Oman because I'm not really sure how other Middle Eastern countries think. There's definitely some countries that don't allow girls to go, but I'm not sure which. But for us, it's like, I thought like there are girls going to the field, but it's just not covered by the media that much. So not intentionally because they don't really think about it. But that's why most people don't see girls in the Middle East working in the field and working these kind of jobs. But in reality, there are quite a few girls that work in the field, but they keep it very like low key. Like they don't see a point of like talking about it and like putting themselves out there. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But personally, I do see other girls in the field, but not as much as like we'd like, but there are like a couple of girls. Mm. So I feel like because people think like, yeah, as you guys mentioned, like the Middle East, like it's hard for women to work and all that kind of stuff. But actually, I've noticed now like more males, like leaders, like of our industry in the Middle East, they're encouraging more females to get into the field. Because like you said, like people would scare you off of oil and gas at some point by saying like, oh, this is like a man's job and it's going to be really tough and you're going to have to sacrifice a lot. But actually like all it takes is for like people like you guys and like me to just talk about it and like tell people what it actually is. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have a question on, uh, so your parents... I feel like, you know, most parents are usually scared about their daughters going out to a rig by themselves, especially like the first year, especially in the Middle East where there is not that many women. So like, were they worried about you going into oil and gas and saying like, why don't you choose something else more like, you know, where there's more women, why are you going to oil and gas? Or was it like, hey, if you want to be successful in the Middle East, oil and gas is a place to be, right? Especially because your dad works there. So he may yeah. see how some women get treated and be like, oh, I don't think I want my daughter there. Or maybe he's seen the opposite and said, I think this is a great place. Yeah. Well, honestly, for my parents, of course, at the beginning, because we had never heard of like a girl going to work in the field. Like that was something we didn't know anyone that did that. 
So at the beginning, like they were like, oh, are you sure this is a good idea and all that kind of stuff. But then after doing research and then after I spoke to them about how my interview went and like, this is a company that has processes and they protect you. And this is like, they have a plan for you. Like my dad was actually super excited. He was exactly what you said, Maisie, that like you want to be successful in the Middle East oil and gas is where you're supposed to be like, they actually are the ones who are pushing me to keep going, like in terms of staying in oil and gas and trying to be successful, like especially here in the Middle East where there's like way more opportunities in terms of like oil and gas. But yeah, like definitely there was worries at the beginning. And I mean, once you realize that you are protected and you're free to address any concerns that you want to your management, like, and you will be protected no matter what, that's like, that made them feel so much better about it. But regardless, even if they were worried, they would have like allowed me to do whatever I wanted. Like it's my choice. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I completely get where your question is coming from though. It sounds like you have really supportive parents, which is definitely what you need, especially in in the area where you are. So another, another question I have for you that I've always been pretty interested in is, you know, being a generation Z, you grew up with computers and iPhones and, you know, Macy and I did too, but y'all had them like way before us. Mm-hmm. My question is, communication-wise, is it different in your generation on how to communicate with other people of your age and younger, especially people that maybe you want to influence to come into oil and gas industry? Do you feel like social media is just the, the only way to kind of attract those people? And also, when you're having these conversations, do you feel that most of the younger generation wants to not be a face-to-face communicator. They want to usually do everything online. Well, in my opinion, I feel like there's a mix of both. There are those who are actually like, I know it seems very different because we grew up like more with the computers and all that kind of stuff, but it's really like, there's a mix of both. Like there are people who are like, they want to communicate everything online and they don't want to meet up in person, but, but there are people that like want to do everything in person, but the majority of the people want a mix. Like there's no one that just wants to do everything Mm -hmm. online. I feel like they can easily be influenced online. But I would say like, especially now, like, cause obviously the virus, and even if there was no virus, like people get more influenced through seeing people live their lives online. Like for example, what you guys are doing now, like for example, someone like me, I'm seeing how you guys are like, progressing your careers in oil and gas and doing this podcast and it's interesting to see that because you don't re- I don't really have to schedule like calls with you guys every week just to know what you're up to do you know what I mean yeah so I think that's like social media and going online is kind of the best way to influence people at the moment mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no totally I feel like that's one of the main reasons why we do what we do especially you as well is by showcasing your career showing yourself in uniform talking about oil and gas you're doing youtube videos you know the main reason we do all of this is really just to influence other girls and be like hey come have a great career just like us you know and especially because it is kind of still considered nowadays like you know like a dark industry where women don't necessarily have a place but like you from the beginning, we've always had really good supportive men in the industry. Like you, I was always the only girl in the field. Yeah, of course, there's lots mm-hmm. of girls in the field. But when I was on a rig, it was usually just me. But like, yeah. you always felt welcomed. You always felt like you could speak up if there was a problem. And exactly. just have that confidence to say, like, I don't agree with what you guys are doing. And you know, but I think a lot of it has to do with confidence, which you had done a video about. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I feel like a lot of girls, especially younger 
we lack a lot of that confidence. And I think a lot of it has to do with social media and always comparing yourself with somebody else's life and thinking that you're less than them. Exactly. So are you asking me like, how can people develop confidence or what exactly? So I feel like for me personally, like growing up, I wasn't the most confident person. Like I was the complete opposite. And I felt like what worked for me is kind of like having goals and ambitions to work towards and reminding myself of the things that I've achieved. Like even if it's something so tiny, like, okay, I've made my bed this morning. Like those little things, they build up and you actually start to change your self image and start thinking of yourself as a successful person. And no, like I can actually do this. Like I made myself my bed this morning. Like I can definitely crush that job interview. Do you know what I mean? So I felt like that's like kind of tricking myself into being confident really helped me like become confident and actually like see things that I once envisioned come into physical Mm -hmm. reality. I love that. That's very true. And you hear that a lot um, when people say, you know, just one small task a day, check off that one box. And that makes you feel like, okay, I can do this. I can do the next thing. So we do totally agree and appreciate uh, you sharing that with us. There's another thing that we wanted to talk about too. Masiel and I are very passionate about fitness and we know yeah. that you are as well. I actually looking on your Instagram, not your Instagram. Well, I look at your Instagram, but I was looking on LinkedIn and I saw that you actually had, you were the CEO of your own like fitness or diet training or it was something like that is what I saw. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into that? And then also what made you start your Instagram and YouTube to talk about it? Yeah, of course. So when I was at university, I still didn't know what my passion was. I wasn't sure if chemical engineering was my passion or not. But one thing I figured out is that I was so passionate about fitness is because I was prioritizing like going to the gym and dieting no matter what happens. Like I would give up like going out with my friends just to like stay home and diet and go to the gym just so I can. Jamie and I can say us too. (laughs) I can. We are all identical. Mm -hmm. I love that. Honestly, I love that. And like, yeah, so once I figured, like, once I figured that out, like, oh my God, I'm really spending a lot of time with this. Like I realized in the long run, it's because kind of like when you want to get to a certain like body goal, you want to get to that body because then when you look at yourself, you're like, oh my God, I, I built that. That shows my commitment. That shows my hard work. So that kind of thing that I learned through health and fitness, I was able to like transfer the skills to my career because you guys know it's the same concept. But like, because I figured that out, I was like, you know what, like, I want to talk about this, I want to like, tell people that like health and fitness is way more than just like getting in shape or losing a couple of pounds for an event. And I feel like a lot of people are not like open minded enough to accept that it's a long term investment. Mm -hmm. So I felt like if you kind of tell your story on like how you're able to manage university with like getting healthy and fit or work or stress and pressure, like they will be able to get inspired through that, then they'll be able to get fit. So obviously I'm still in the process and the company you were saying that I was the CEO of that, that's like basically, it's just like a online meal plan service. I have a few clients right now and I'm trying to help as many people as I can when I have the time. I love yeah. that. That's I awesome. think Jamie also made like an ebook on eating healthy and really? we, yeah, like we yeah. literally oh, are all three yeah. twins because very similar to you, like 
when I first started my Instagram and my YouTube, I wanted to just do fitness. Like it was okay. nothing to do with oil and gas. It was like, I wanted to film my workouts. I wanted to talk about mm -hmm. eating healthy and because it's such a passion. Like I, yeah. like until this day, I'm like, why am I in oil and gas and why am I an engineer? Because clearly oh, every day, all I want to do is work out and eat healthy and sh you know, yeah. but I think totally what happens is like it's so saturated on Instagram, like everyone has a freaking fitness channel no, and it's really, really hard to compete with people who look insanely amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. never achieve those goals. So I was like, who exactly. the hell is going to follow me? I don't have abs. My first Instagram account was naturally fit for me. I've deleted it since then, oh, yeah. but I have all these photos because I used to compete in fitness shows. So, I mean, I had like no legit photos that probably now would, would look really good if I kept them up, but <laughs> everything. And now oh, I just have my, my normal one, but yeah. That's super cool. You did prep? Yes. Yes. That's so interesting. Oh my God. But I totally get what, what you guys are saying about like the fitness industry being saturated and like, you don't want to be just another girl with her fitness Instagram. Like that's exactly why, like, I'm not just sticking to this fitness thing. And like, you know what, like if it happens, if ha it happens, if it doesn't, then like, it's nice to kind of like explore that a little bit. But just to turn it back into our careers, what's great about fitness is when you can devote that much time and commitment to something and you prove to yourself that you can do it, just like you noted earlier when you were talking about it, it then boosts your confidence. Okay, Sarah, so tell us what a day in the life looks like as a field engineer. Basically, I work two, I used to work two weeks on, two weeks off, but since the virus, because they're trying to like reduce transportations and all that kind of stuff for safety purposes, so we kind of work four weeks on, four weeks off now, and we do 12-hour shifts. And we stay in camps there. You just stay in camps, and the food is provided by the catering company that's in the camp. Sometimes they bring your food to the rig. But for me personally, like, as we spoke about earlier, like, fitness and all that kind of stuff, so I basically take my own stuff. Like, I take, like, my own low-calorie bread and, like, my own, like, salads and tuna cans and all that kind of cereal, almond milk, like that's basically how it really goes every single day. And, and then how about where do you sleep? You sleep in a camp then? Is it yeah. one bedroom or do you share beds with other girls or guys? No, here, here in the, in the Middle East, like we just have like separate rooms for girls and separate rooms for guys. So where I work, the, there's limited amount of number of girls rooms because there obviously there's more guys there. So guys would usually share the room with each other, but for girls, like it's so far, it's like separate. Gotcha. Yeah. And then as far as transportation goes, they just pick you up and take you to the rig site or you don't have, I'm guessing you don't, you don't drive. No, no, we don't drive. There's a new rule that came out that we're not supposed to drive for some reason. Like certain people, like certain, certain people can drive, certain people can drive. So we usually go to the rig from the camp to the rig by a bus. Okay. So how do you stay motivated to keep pushing the industry despite the uncertain market conditions? And, you know, you're right in the middle of it there in Oman. So what keeps you going? So personally, I feel like because I'm not in like that kind of decision making position yet. So I feel like I, I started seeing it as an opportunity that I can observe how like our leaders in oil and gas, how do they react to these kind of situations? How are they able to pivot very quickly and use this as like a learning experience for me to like learn from so I can apply the same things they have done now, like in future situations. So just looking at it as in like, okay, this is an opportunity to grow and learn rather than, oh my God, everything sucks. So I feel like that's what truly keeps me motivated with that. That's such a 
Beautiful answer. Instead of everyone freaking out about oil prices going down and being upset about what's going on, I've definitely tried looking at it that way too, where it's like, I'm in the biggest downturn and I have the opportunity to learn and Mm -hmm. see how everyone's acting and what we're doing. I mean, business is different. You're adapting and all of this is more stuff in your tool belt of like, I've been through this downturn and I was able to survive. Thank you for coming on today. We really loved listening to your perspective. And then just, it's so inspiring and just hear you at such a young age, you know, to just be so open and honest and what you're doing on social media to help those that, you know, might be looking into the industry, but don't really understand it. You know, we just really appreciate all that you're doing. And we're really excited to see kind of where you end up here in the next few years as you continue to grow in the industry. So thank you for coming on today. And before we leave, Sarah, tell everyone where they can find you so they can follow you and you can give them diet tips as well. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. You guys are like huge inspirations and you're also a part of like me doing this because there's other women doing that as well. And you guys can find me on at engineer Sarah for my career Instagram and for my fitness, you can find me at the physique engineer. And yeah, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Thank you guys for giving me this opportunity again. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.